0: You're listening to On Ramp, and I'm your host Carrie Fisher.
1: And I'm your host Shane Blackshear.
0: Two Christians talking about race.
1: Because everyone needs a jumping on point.
0: This is On Ramp.
1: This is On Ramp. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This week we're talking about white supremacy. So that, for probably for a lot of people. When you think of white supremacy, you're probably thinking of guys in hoods, burning crosses, really bad stuff.
0: Yeah, pretty startling. Um,
1: That's not so much what we're going to talk about today. So if you just think about the phrase white supremacy, it's just the idea that white culture is supreme, is better, is normative, that sort of thing. And so I really believe that there are examples of this all over but they are so subtle that we don't realize it so uh, i was telling you carrie about this uh this meme which memes are great sources of um
0: (laughs) we could just do a whole podcast series around
1: yeah racist memes white supremacist memes yeah uh so you know there's this meme that had a picture of a bunch of cowboys it said uh this is how real men wear their pants, right? Yeah. They, so obviously, you know, the kind of jeans that cowboys wear
0: you, You're picturing the, it.
1: They're on the slim side. You you know what we're talking about, <laughs> right? It was uh, you know, what do we call it? They're putting down, you know, sagging pants, right? So that was the purpose of the meme. Yes, obviously there are plenty of people of color who wear uh, you know, slim cut jeans all the way up to their waist. Absolutely. And there are plenty of white guys who sag out there, right? Uh, but let's be honest, those are generally associated with diff- those specific cultures, right? That's right. One, you look at a meme like that, and I ask myself as a Christian, like, well, is there anything morally wrong with sagging your pants? Obviously not. That's pretty silly so there's nothing morally wrong with it it's just a cultural thing and again a cultural thing is more associated sagging is more associated with african-american culture right so what makes a slim-fitting pant more makes it better than sagging pants well it's just a cultural thing yeah it's a white cultural thing being better than a black cultural thing
0: Yeah. And in fact, you know, although it's really unlikely that the person who would post that meme would mean this, when I hear that, I'm thinking about, you know, this notion of real men. And I think about how historically uh, white men use the term boy to refer to black people and to sort of take away the equality mm. and so this notion that there there's gender issues here as well as race issues that there is a way to be a real man for one thing right and that once again this this coded language that doesn't say real men or white men or real men or cowboys but it, it kind of does say that because um the opposite of a tight, high-waisted pant is a saggy, low pant. And right. as you've already said, whether it's even true or not, it's associated with the black community. And so the hidden message is uh, black men, or the way that most black men are, are not really men. And so then what are they? They're either children, they're animals, they're monsters. There's, there's that's. I think some people could hear that and say, well, you're really... <laughs> getting a lot out of that small phrase, but I think that there's more to it than just sort of a funny comparison of gene preferences. Right, right. Yeah,
1: and again, like, I think I... This must be, like, my favorite word on this podcast, but, like, it is dehumanizing, right? Yeah. It's saying you're, you're less than mm-hmm. a human being. I think a lot of the white supremacy goes to just kind of personal appearance issues. So... You know, think of our differences in hair and what um, a lot of times you will hear people say things about quote unquote professionalism of that's right, the hair of people of color.
0: Pretty much every year, I'll unfortunately have a new news story to use in my classes of a little girl who's worn her hair in whatever dreads, cornrows, and she will have been expelled for being mm. a, outside of dress code and it's much like sagging pants, it's hard to imagine why that would be. You know, even I would never... On on a
1: practical realm, why does that matter? Yes. right. I
0: I would never agree to this, but even if it were a a big Afro, maybe you could stretch your imagination to say, this is like hard for kids to see around to look at the whiteboard or something. something." But, you know, this notion that braids or cornrows or whatever are not clean or professional or appropriate it really only has to do with the fact that white people don't wear their hair that way because there's, right, right. There's, there's nothing else that's different about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if, uh, honestly, like I think of the school system suspended white kids for things that was a cultural norm for white kids that we wouldn't stand for it. Like, we wouldn't right. have it.
0: No, of course not. Because there would be so many people in power saying, like, that's dumb or wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So you were talking about, I think this is back in episode two now, where you were talking about just the way that art literature that was produced by white people was often seen as high art, and that which was produced by people of color was if acknowledged as art at all, was seen as a kind of a lower form of art.
0: That's right. Often it was more invisible than anything else, like completely unacknowledged. Because, you know, I think there are things that... I, I, in that episode I was talking, I was using rap as a comparison, but you know, even if, just, just because that tends to be thought of as sort of contemporary, even if you didn't want to make that on equal grounds with something like you know Bach or Beethoven or something even things like studying jazz or some older um, blues or things that have some more years and age around them I just found that those things often were completely invisible in in school systems but then yes that sometimes when they were incorporated or, or Uh, referred to in schools it was with some sort of contempt or a lesser than status and so once again that comes back to this notion that basically what is white is right and what comes from other pockets is other maybe it's quaint maybe it's um what do people like to say there's all sorts of coded language around this as well like funky or (laughs) maybe it's wacky or you know something like yeah. that but even just I've I've found the hesitation or lack of using words like beautiful uh, brilliant you know things that are that are not about being other mm-hmm. but are about being good
1: mm-hmm. yeah the hesitation to use those words yeah the hesitation yeah. to use those
0: yeah. words is a form of I think Uh, not necessarily that's a form of white supremacy, but it comes from this notion that things that I've heard of a lot and grown up with, if I'm a white person or coming from a a white mainstream um, community, then those things are definitely good. And anything that I didn't learn about when I was a third grader or that wasn't in my neighborhood, well, that's, other and so, at best, right. it can be good for what it is, mm. but not compared yeah. to, you know, yeah.
1: so it's usually like a little something that just kind of delegitimizes that's right, something, yeah, yeah, you
0: know, it's it's like calling something cute, yeah, you know, <laughs> right, right, it's like, okay, I, I mean, I guess I'll take what I can give, <laughs> but I'd really prefer not really what I was going for,
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, I think when you really understand that concept. And by the way too, I've heard a lot of like you know, people of color who are bloggers or in the media will talk about white supremacy and again we hear when we hear that we hear about the KKK and overt racism, but when you really understand that this kind of white supremacy that we're talking about That is really the term that makes the most sense. This thing that elevates things that come from white culture as uh, the model of the way to do things.
0: Yeah. You know, there's a great, it makes me think, um, I think you and I have talked about this. Uh, There's a great Key and Peel sketch, uh, that's called Substitute Teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... I think we can't talk about this subject without thinking about language and names in particular. Yeah. And the key and peel sketch does this great job. I think of showing how ludicrous it is. Sometimes the rightness that we affix to names, the rightness or wrongness. And, um, how dare you not use a name like Sarah or Elizabeth for your child. (laughs) Right. And so, by the way, those are beautiful names. I'm not (laughs) just discrediting those names, but so in the sketch, if you're not familiar with it, there's a black substitute teacher, or he appears to be a person of color, and and he's saying these names that many of us would be familiar with, and so he's calling a kid named Blake Blocky, and he's calling. So the
1: idea is he's used to substituting in in like an inner city or something like that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, or at least the, these names all seem completely foreign and maybe silly to him. Yeah, you know, and so people will correct him and say. You know, actually, it's Blake. Or, it's, it's just
1: Blake, and he's—they're kind of bewildered that they're getting his name, their name wrong. Yeah,
0: and he, rather than sort of accepting what they say, <laughs> it, continues to mispronounce names. And he, he
1: takes it kind of as them being defiant. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And and so it's just a really uh, probably not doing it justice right now, but you should go find it, maybe. <laughs> Uh, it's never good to, like, explain scene by scene a sketch, but... Let's be
1: clear, we couldn't afford the right to play the sketch <laughs> Somehow, on... Key
0: and Peele, they've not gotten back to us,
1: but we're waiting. <laughs> but YouTube it. It's yeah, there.
0: Yeah, But But, um, you know, I think the vitriol that we hear sometimes when someone has the audacity to name their child something that has not been a historically English name and the complete lack of investment in learning how to pronounce a name that is not uh, sort of stereotypically white whether it be a black name or a a name that comes from spanish or really any other language it, it decredits and once again, demoralizes. And in so on some level dehumanizes when it's, I, I hate, I cringe so much when I hear someone say, I'm not even going to try because I could never learn that name. Mm. And it's like, n- no one ever says that, about, you know, there's nothing inherently more normal about the name Stephanie than about the right. name Lakeisha. I mean, right. they're, they have similar letters yeah, and you've just maybe heard one more than another. And so, That is a really prevalent and simple example of white superiority or white supremacy where there's no tangible moral reason to say that one of those things is better than the other. But yet we do do have sort of, we see sort of a sigh or a frustration or an eye roll that I'm having to learn how to say Jose instead of just being able to call this kid Joe, which is a name I know and is a normal name. You know,
1: so it, it seems to me like a good practice is when we hear something elevated more than something else to ask ourselves, where does that come from? Is there, is there any connection at race at all? And if there is, which race is being elevated above another? Usually we'll find that that is, uh, you know, white, white people, white culture. Yep. Something comes from my culture is being elevated above as like the normal thing to do, the model thing to do, the more correct thing to do.
0: Yeah. And a, and a place, I'm sorry, I may be stuck on the name thing a little bit, but as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about how one extra layer of proof around that is that when there's a name like Hermione or... Um, you know maybe coquette or something that's a french name mm. something that's an english name that also is a name that we would be very used to people often give it an air of even further superiority <laughs> yeah you that's know, true rather than saying like that's so silly i would never try to learn that right, name right or, why would someone name their kid yeah that's
1: interesting yeah it's mm. seen as an asset
0: that's right it's yeah. like even whiter
1: <laughs> yeah you <yeah>, right <laughs> it's no, really from europe that's that's right that's exactly right well wow, that's really fascinating um yeah, no, I think going back, that Key and Peel sketch is one hilarious and <laughs> but really is a perfect example of again, when we talk about a lot of the things we're talking about, I think one of the key words is subtlety. Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not someone blatantly out to destroy somebody else's culture. It's just we're not realizing what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, because we're sitting from a place of being in privilege or or the norm or being so associated with uh, and socialized by a white culture that we agree with that culture's norms and say right. yeah, everybody else's is, is other in some way that's it for this week's episode of on ramp be sure to subscribe rate and review on ramp on itunes to help keep the show front and center thanks for listening and we'll see you next time